0: You're right. hey y'all <laughs> we're back on the prison rec yard
1: here we are um <laughs> if i sound like death incarnate um just just ignore that just ignore that hey you can support me by sending stars
0: <laughs> what? i don't know how to take this off
1: okay well i'll just take Facebook. it off i'll just take can it, you take it- <laughs> That was not the take it off button. Okay. No, that was. I don't know how you button. get that off there. You do too. Uh-oh. You absolutely do. No, no, no. You're kind so of that's, a live face. So, so I know how to show <laughs> it on the screen, but I don't know how to keep that comment from always popping up there.
0: It has to do with my Facebook stream. That's why.
1: <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs>
0: Brittany's on, on YouTube and what <laughs> she clearly put an emoji and it says person turquoise waving. <laughs> Hi, Brittany. Hi, Brittany. One thing about, one thing about Brittany is no matter how busy she is and what kind of BS she has going on, because there's a lot going on today When I ask her to watch me on my social media, she's going to show up no matter what.
1: Yeah. Even if she's just a little turquoise person waving, she's there. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah, she's
0: good. If I have a video that needs pushed, like the algorithm's not picking it up, I'll send it to her. And (laughs) she's definitely good for uh, (laughs) some emoji comments. (laughs)
1: Well, this is Diane. Diane is that way for me, and I've always called her my PR person. She's like, "Honey, I've got PR to do today. What do I need to push? What do I need to market? What do I need to comment on?" She's brilliant at it. Um, Yeah, everybody needs a Diane and a Brittany. Everything,
0: everything needs it.
1: (laughs) Everything, (laughs) absolutely everything. You see it, push it, promote it. Right. Right. Well, hey, so in. On your side, it doesn't show you in the corner in the left hand corner how many viewers there are because it only shows on on my channels.
0: No, it doesn't show me.
1: Well, it
0: shows after the fact how many actually huh. viewed. Hmm. So we're still we're still learning, so if you're <laughs> it's gonna get better every time. this is already better right than the first round. Yes,
1: for it, sure. I think so. And we're consistent three weeks in a row. Yeah,
0: I feel like we should pat ourselves on the back for that.
1: (laughs) We've made it. So busy.
0: No, for real, that's true. That's true. Yeah, it's a lot going on: Uh, jobs and advocacy and families and dogs,
1: (laughs) girlfriends, girlfriend ex girlfriends. Oh, that's. (laughs) Uh, mental
0: illness (laughs) oh yes yeah that's a big one and mine's been kind of yucky this week uh and then you haven't been feeling well yeah because you probably have covid (laughs) but you're not getting tested
1: (laughs) i'm not i'm not claiming that i'm not claiming that (laughs) no
0: i'm I'm not going to put it on you either. I'm not because you probably don't have it, but you should get tested, Jennifer. That's that's what we do nowadays. If you cough, you take a COVID test.
1: No, you're right. And and I've got several in the cabinet that I can take. I'm certainly not going to go anywhere else this weekend. I have a visit that I have to do Sunday at hobby. Um, but I will make sure to be responsible. Take it. Hey, let me tell you, uh, Maggie never, I don't think Maggie ever told us that me and her, okay, so we went to an advocacy event in McAllen, right? Mm -hmm. And one of our people was in the car with us. He got COVID. Like the next day when he got home, he's like, I feel like crap. You guys, I've got COVID. We're like, oh my God, we were in the car. This was at the height of the pandemic, right? (laughs) So we go to the city of Austin to get tested. Marcy, and it's not the quick swabs. It's the long sticks. Oh, yes. Oh,
0: yes. The old,
1: the early, early yeah, test like, stuff. So we're in the car yeah. and we get up there and there's lady, Maggie's just boss, right? She just has it up her nose and boom, boom. And the lady goes, and I said, ah, uh, she goes, ma'am, I have to put this in your nose. I said, how far? She goes, I have to put this. So she starts, she goes, just hold my hand. And she's pushing it, and I'm pulling against her, and she's pushing because I'm a big baby, right? And so then the guy comes up to the car. Her supervisor starts screaming, just let her go. You get your hands off of her. I said, she told me I could hold her arm. Anyway, it was a big (laughs) disaster. We got run out of there. They told us to leave. It was just a big fucking ordeal because I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't put that thing all the way up there. Did you do it? Did you do the long one? Yes.
0: I never had to do the long one. I never had to. I was in prison when all of that was happening. And and they didn't care about testing us too much. They came by with those long, wait. Yeah, nope. And that wasn't even the long ones. They came, They did test us eventually after COVID had been going for about a year and a half. and But they came by and we did it. They, it was the little swab. And they just watched us. Probably Which was ridiculous.
1: Right, because nobody's doing it right. Do it. <laughs>
0: right yeah, nobody, nobody's doing it right. And we're they're doing it under their, like they would just pull their mask out. And the people would, inmates would just act like they were doing it. Because everybody was so scared. They weren't telling us what they were doing. They were moving us out of our comfort zone. And, um, you know, no wonder it spread like wildfire. We weren't getting any information. We were scared. They weren't. Mm-hmm. They weren't moving us out to quarantine and then bringing us back. They were completely moving our housing to people and places where we don't know and we're not familiar familiar with. And they made it hard on us.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, you know, that's even like when we would um, over the years get the flu. If you tested positive for the flu, they were going to move you out of the dorm and put you in seg. And me and Alexa had the flu one in 2017. Marcy, when it was so. Bad. It was so bad. That was when I realized I will never go without a flu shot. I was like, no wonder old people and babies die of this because it was horrible. And me and her just hid under our blankets and it was bake it was a winter vacation. So I didn't have to go to the library because school was out. You know, and she would just go to Braille and come back in and just be dizzy, like seeing spots because we were delirious from fever. But we knew that they're gonna they're gonna and what's the point you're going to put us in seg where it's cold and the food's nasty and there's no comfort or i can just stay buried in my blankets in my dorm but yeah no, i'll so tell you what
0: did. jennifer this is the difference between your cadillac prison oh
1: lord Here the mountain view unit
0: Here and go. the dungeons where i did my time on the dr lane murray unit because they they weren't separating you from, for having the flu. As a matter of fact, I just did a video on it today because someone asked what happens if to your cellmate if you're sick? And I'm like, well, they get sick too because you're stuck in that box and it doesn't matter if you've tested. The only thing I've ever seen anyone get moved for was, um, not scabies, but what is that? Uh, what is that? That's part of strep throat, or part of you know what I'm talking about. Um, shingles, I've shingles, seen people get moved yeah. for shingles, and I've seen people get moved for COVID, and that's it. And everything else, you were just suffering and writing it out, and everybody was being exposed to it. So,
1: but for the snow, I'm
0: getting a whole attitude,
1: they just don't oh. care about. They didn't care about spreading that. You're right. They didn't. Um, Hello, gorgeous junk. I just got to tell you, I really like that name. I just like it. Gorgeous junk. It could mean. Okay. Um, (laughs) Well, it's not really snow. It's ice. Y'all have a lot of ice there, don't you?
0: It is ice, but it looks like snow. In my yard, it looks like snow. It's really pretty.
1: Gorgeous wants to know, are all the women's prisons in Gatesville?
0: A lot of them are in Gatesville. But there there are so many women incarcerated in Texas that they have to have a plethora of prisons. So they have them in Lockhart, in Dayton, Gatesville. I don't know if they still have the Bridgeport. Yeah. So, no. No. They have more than more than that. But the majority, I think, are in Gatesville. Gatesville's just that's all that Gatesville is, is prisons, I think, in a Walmart and that little steak place we ate, that little (laughs) restaurant.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's all it is. It's 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 a prison town. It's um, mainly women's prisons. There is a men's unit there. Hughes is there. Uh, And. Also those uh women's units used to be uh Texas Youth Commission uh places where boys there is a little cemetery outside of Lane Murray in between Lane Murray and um what I uh Sycamore Hilltop that work. area over there mm-hmm. yeah it's a little cemetery uh where <laughs> where they used to bury little kids that they they murdered um, and who died of neglect and sickness uh, when it was a boy's home. Gatesville Boys School. Reform School. Terrible history. And that's really all Gatesville's got got for itself. And that Walmart. Been to that Walmart. I uh, Was going to buy some cat pajamas there. And uh, I didn't. That's Alexa. <laughs> now she sees we're live. She sees yeah. it. <laughs> She does this to me she's done it to so, me before <laughs>
0: clearly three weeks of consistency is not enough for everyone to understand that we're in this we're in it so we're in it to win wednesday it night <laughs> wednesday nights at seven o'clock we're we're here talking about <laughs> prison and life after prison and all the things that come with that so
1: well i mean we just we have to start we're gonna get Look, we're doing one thing at a time here, Marcy. We've got our channel. We just, next week, we'll be streaming directly to the new channel. And everybody will be directed to go there to see all of our content on YouTube. And we'll start marketing every week. This is what's going on on the rec Yard this week. So, it'll be... We're going to get it together. Look, one thing at a time. We've done it. Look how Look how... Our restream is going now. You know where to click certain buttons. I know how to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, well, can you pin this comment? I feel like you're dropping your job because gorgeous Jack, is, gorgeous junk is talking about my mama. She's
1: I didn't talking see-
0: about the panel discussion.
1: Oh, yes, it was great. Yes, your mother was, had us all in tears. She, she stole the show. Yeah, your mom was super sweet and vulnerable and I'm so glad that she was able to to join us for that discussion it was it was perfect how how did y'all feel later afterwards did you have to decompress or did you talk on the way home or you just compartmentalized Um, it
0: yeah it it just is like a it was kind of like an off on and off switch we were right back to um, just being hanging out and um, we were just briefly discussed it. So we were on a panel discussion, y'all, we were at the Capitol in Austin um, in front of some representatives from some lawmakers. Right. So, um, so it was important. And we were just talking about women incarcerated, the impact on their families. And my mom participated in the panel discussion with us. And it was. She got a little emotional a couple times, but then she recovered, right? So I, I just love that she she showed her vulnerability, but then like bossed up and told the information that needed to be told. So I was really impressed with her. Mm
1: -hmm. She was
0: nervous, so I was just excited that. Yeah, excited that she did so well. So we talked just briefly about that. But you know, we went and had dinner with my kid afterwards. And my kids, they don't want to talk about prison Mm -hmm. (laughs) or that, you know, they don't want to, they don't, I don't, they don't ask me about my social media. They don't ask me about even, even the production with Rosie. They don't, they really don't ask about all of that. They just, they want to talk about their jobs and school. And (laughs) right. (laughs) So. (laughs)
1: so yeah we were just uh, back into understandable right you know they just you know I I think my family will talk about it sometimes but a lot of times we just I don't know like it's 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 hard it's hard but I I thought your your mother did excellent she she was she was perfect like it seemed like she had done this many times before
0: yeah, I think she did great. I, I was really happy with it. And yeah, yeah. Th- that family's not wanting to talk about prison or, or it just seems like that's because of our jobs and because of social media and because of advocacy, that's almost just the first place my mind goes with when anything comes up, you know, um, is how are the ladies in prison handling it? Or this, if this had happened when I was in prison, this would have been, I mean, even it snowed today and somebody, I made a little video, and I was at, our. It, it icy snowed, right? But it looks like snow in my front yard. So I just went outside and I just remember when it was snow in prison, how somebody would be like, it's snowing and everybody would run to the back of the dorm and look out the little rec yard window and see the snowflakes just to get a little glimpse. And the laws would be like, get out, get out from back there, get away from the door, add a place. You're out. I'm gonna start writing cases. Right. You know, but but we we would take that risk just to see, because it's not something we were gonna get to be a part of otherwise for who knows when, you know, mm-hmm. and I just it made me so when I see the front yard, that's was my thought. And so somebody commented on the video saying. I think it's really sad that everything reminds you of prison.
1: Well, you know, I, I've had people tell me that, Marcy. I've had people close to me, you know, say, you know, Jennifer, some, at some point you're going to have to move beyond this. And, you know, everything, like everything that you bring up is about prison. Everything. And it's like, okay, half my life. <laughs> it was literally half my life. Um, and my closest friends, um, that are family to me are still there. So I'm still there. Part of me is still there. So of course, everything reminds me of prison. It, everything, absolutely everything. It, it takes me back to either an experience or like you said, like, I wonder, you know, I'm going to go check on them this weekend. Like how was, you know, do y'all have blankets? How are your jackets? Like I worry about them, you know, not a whole lot that we can do from here. Although in in our advocacy spaces, we do have a little, um, I think, a little bit of a a privilege to reach out to the right people that could add some pressure every once in a while. And and that is helpful. Uh, But yeah, I mean, you never get over it and everything. And I don't feel bad about that. I mean, do you ever feel like one day, I'll just put this all behind me and never talk about it again.
0: Uh, one day when when there's no prisons, like when there's no women in prison suffering mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or, you know, when mass incarceration isn't a huge issue in this country. I mean, I, I can't imagine when that would be. Do I think that could be in my lifetime? I'm not so sure. So the answer's probably no for me. Probably. I can't imagine. I mean, if we're cold, Brittany and I, my girlfriend and I, that's what we were thinking. We're cold, but, oh my gosh, our friends that are inside are freezing right now. You know, I mean, that's what we're thinking. Like that's how our mind goes. So there's too many loved ones we have inside and so many changes that need to be made for the better of our communities as a whole. Right. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
1: you know, I, I don't ever, I, I don't really ever foresee my life's purpose diverging from any, any of those, you know, those things c- concerning advocacy. You know what I mean? Like, how do you, I mean, and I have friends that are like, I got my job at UPS or Walgreens. I've made my a new life. I don't want to look back and I don't want to deal with it. I don't, I care about them. I just don't want to be reminded anymore. And it's like, well, I mean <clears throat> what is it? The TikTok you did where the the, the sound clip was the girl was like, I, I don't watch TV. It's like, okay, you don't get a yeah. you don't get <laughs> a star for not watching TV.
0: Right. You don't get an award for not talking about <laughs> your trauma experience in prison.
1: <laughs> right. Right. And, and that's you know. good for you. If if you don't want to do that, I mean that's that's your way of dealing with stuff. But I, I just I don't know. I just can't imagine not, I, I I don't, I wouldn't know what to do with what was inside of me.
0: Don't you think it gives you just a little bit of control over your, I mean, for trauma, because I can't think of another word by talking about it. And in my case, that's just, that's the thing. It just makes me feel like I'm a little bit in control of it. Um, it's therapeutic for me. So, yeah. And it might not be for everybody, but.
1: No, I think, I, I think for me, yeah. It, you know, cause I grew up, you know, in our family culture that you don't talk about things that happen and you just pretend like nothing happened and we're all going to pretend like everything's great and we're a happy family. Everyone has smiles no one's talking about any of the horrific things that just happened an hour ago. We're just going to pretend like none of it happened, and I see how much damage that has caused me and, and my brother and, and my other family members. And it's like, well, I don't know. You, you, when you speak some, when you speak to something, you you do. You're right. You take you take your power back from it. You know. Because I get to control the near. Because if if I don't, someone will. The state will. For sure.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And then only their story will be told. Only their side. Right. Which isn't necessarily an accurate portrayal. (laughs) Let's
1: see. I've got someone else here. Um, Thanks for sharing your experiences as nurse patients. Very helpful. Empathy and compassion win. Thank you so much um, nurse Adrian do you do you know Adrian. this is this is this a new she's, is this one of your
0: she's one of my YouTube friends and oh, okay. I think that's the only platform that I see her okay. on but she um, offers some insight on some of my videos on that <clears throat> platform and I'm always interested in people that work in prison that aren't security because it's they don't have that same mind frame that sometimes security can get just from hanging out with, I'm trying to be diplomatic because believe me, I don't think all correctional officers are horrible, but, but I do think it's, they can get a PAC mentality fairly easily. Um, and so I don't think that happens as often with other staff,
1: right? Right. <laughs> like, right. Like the and
0: education and mm-hmm. um so
1: she's Yeah, she said, said it was a counselor. You know, it it and you're right, like <laughs> I can remember several you know, the staff in the education building obviously very different with me. Um and medical staff, you know, I remember um There was a lawsuit. I don't know if if you recall this. There was a lawsuit. They closed this unit. And I can't remember the name of the unit, but the guys were drinking arsenic. It was in their water. It was contaminated. And so this guy was he was fixing to be released, but he had put in for his medical records. He was like, you know, I just why do I keep getting sick like this? So one of the nurses pulled him aside and said, I shouldn't tell you this and they tell us not to, but y'all are drinking arsenic. Do you ever notice wow. that the staff doesn't drink water here? We all drink out of bottled waters. He was like, what? She was like, mm-hmm. so when you get out, just check. So he got out and pulled all the records from the city, the water, all of it, big lawsuit. Um, and uh, I remember in the paper, it said that the warden of that unit brought a glass of the water and drank it on the stand in front of the judge and said, I don't have a problem. And the judge was like, yeah, but you tell these gentlemen to drink massive amounts of that water during the summer. Right. So it's different. They are getting arsenic poison. So what y'all are going to do is you're going to pull that system, this water system out and replace it. Girl, TDCJ closed and shuttered the whole unit before they fixed that and shipped all the guys off to other places. But it was from a medical staff. Pulling that guy to a side. I, I had another friend that a medical staff said you need to look at your lab reports because they they uh, did something atrocious to you at the hospital. So I mean they they are just a little bit different than um, than correctional staff. <clears throat> oh, a few times we'd have to go to prison. The guards would usually abandon us in the yard, not escorted. Super fun. Well, I mean, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I'm not surprised that that they weren't following protocol or, or, or doing any of that.
0: Yeah, I'm not surprised either. But that just goes along with. I mean, just like we've talked about the issue with security in prisons anyway, understaffed, underpaid. Uh, you know, that's a lot of them. A lot of someone that's understaffed and underpaid and works in a harsh environment oftentimes doesn't care too much about following protocol all the way, which in a prison is, you would think it should be the complete opposite. Right. So.
1: Well, and I love that. She says this, she, um, that they all really cared about the success of the women. Um, I appreciate that ma'am. And um, yeah, yeah it, it's so hard to, to find to find folks that are willing to come in and and run a program, be a part of a program and really care about our success and not just as a job or a paycheck, you know?
0: And as an, as an inmate, and when you're in that environment and you're talked through or you're talked down to, and you're not, you're not felt seen or cared about when one person that's not, another person that's incarcerated talks to you with decency it has a physical effect I I can't tell you the few times that that's happened where I just almost just want to burst out in tears like that's what kind of emotional uh, reaction that brings it's it sounds so sad now that I'm saying it out here but in there it felt I felt silly for having that reaction but you know upon reflection obviously that was because i was so I, I didn't get that so for someone to show you a little bit of humanity it it can be it's really important
1: yeah well and and we tell people this all the time like compassion um just like uh, was just said compassion and empathy it goes it goes a long way treating people with basic dignity you know and and society trying to teach me hey it's wrong to hurt other people because you're angry. Um, well, the best way to, to teach me that is to, to show me what that looks like. And often that was <coughs> that was not the case.
0: I'm I want to get to these videos too.
1: Oh, don't, okay. Don't... <laughs> okay.
0: Jennifer has a video to show us, but I do want to see... Because Nurse Adrian's talking about compassion and acknowledging a person's experience matters, and it and it's is free. free. And it's free. yeah, yeah, and it matters out here too. That's the quote of the day. <laughs> because it matters. Period. It matters inside of prisons, outside of prisons. Um,
1: let's see. Gorgeous wants to know: Are correction officers in women's prisons women, or is it a mix of women and men?
0: So when I was in the county jail, um, the only officers that worked our dorm were female officers. We if if a man came into the picket, even they made a big announcement, uh, even if it was a ranking officer or even the sheriff, if he was coming through, they'd make a big announcement. So nobody would be on the potty or getting changed or whatever. Um, And then I get to prison and all of a sudden, nobody cares how many male officers may or may not see me uh, getting dressed, going to the restroom, showering, taking my tampon out, all of that. Uh, very much, it's a mix of men and women. Very much men work in, in the female dorms.
1: Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's shockingly, way back in the day, men used to be able to even pat search you which I can only imagine how horrifying that was. Uh, but again, I, I'll have to touch again on, I can see us just, we're going to have a showdown one day, Mountain View versus Lane Murray. It's going to be a boxing match. Um, it, because it's true. Like, again, how different cultures at different units are. We had our problems with male staff, but for the most part, again, things were followed by protocol there Pretty strictly. And and again, like we talked about before, I don't know if that's because the people in protective custody there were high profile or death rows there, there's a lot of media scrutiny at that unit. It's very, um, I I don't know. I, I don't know why it was always strict by the policy, but it was. So when men came in the dorm and it wasn't very often, we would have men work the dorm, but most, most of the time it was women and it was like, you know, man on the floor, um, it was highly controlled. They were kept out of, like, I can only remember just a few occasions um, <clears throat> where men were like, obviously inappropriate or watching or, or something like that. So again, that goes back Jennifer, to. Just,
0: I, I spent half of my time in cell <clears throat> block where I'm in a cell and sometimes it would be all men in the building period.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And they're, walking around looking in my cell every time that they make their round and it, there's no warning to whether they're coming. So if I'm whatever, taking a washing off, if it's a hundred degrees and I'm taking a quick rinse off or using the ladies room changing, it didn't matter. I, even in the, in the privileged dorm, when I was mm-hmm. um, in that dorm, the showers are open showers and there's like a curtain And you could go upstairs and look directly down and see in the shower area. Yeah. And you had some officers that they would be like walking by with their clipboard so that they didn't even, just so you would know, hey, the camera knew I'm not, he's not looking. You felt comfortable. He just would walk up that part like this and then take it down and finish his rounds. And then you had other men officers that would Mm -hmm. walk to the top of the stairs and stand there and, and the whole shift for as long as they could. And so when you're coming in from the kitchen and outside yard and all of these jobs, and you want to go to the shower, your options are to sit in your own filth yeah. and be uncomfortable. Yeah. And sadly, it got to where we, I just even showered. I just would go shower quickly, you know, mm-hmm. but, but, cause what do you do? That's the environment that we're in. And, and Niecy's on here and she was at Murray with me and she's, uh-huh. she's calling it out. She knows uh-huh. that was F-Dorm, so.
1: Yeah. And, and that's crazy. Cause it's, you know, I did a little, when I was 18, so I, I was in F-Dorm, F, dorm FC back when it was, it's still four pods, right? It is. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, well, it used to be a gym, but I think they changed that to like where the they did the dog program for a while. I don't know if the dog right. program's still there, but yeah, the shout. And back then we didn't have any curtains period. Like the showers were just straight up open. Um, but yeah, like at Mountain View, I mean, th- that kind of stuff does happen. But for the most part, the men don't walk the runs in cell block. They don't, it's the women. They stay in the picket and pop the doors. Uh, but now at Crane, now Crane that's a totally different story. I remember being 19, 20 years old and we had uh showers in a catwalk, no cameras, but it was a catwalk in five dorm, the barn. And yeah, I mean, I was in there showering and I looked up and there is the male officer standing there. I mean, just just straight up mm-hmm. looking down. And I mean, there's nothing you can do. There's absolutely nothing you can do.
0: So, so I made a video, right? Of course, I made a video about this. and, um, and it was just saying because somebody asked me this very question. So, so I just briefly described that scenario in F storm with the showers where some officers, you know, and they said, um, so the feedback from some of that was, um, well, it, it's because a lot can happen in the showers and the showers is where people like to go to fight and F U C K. And that's why they have to, well, uh, but I'll tell you what the difference is. The difference is someone who's doing their job and walking by and maybe glancing to make sure no one's fighting or hurt or being held hostage or whatever you think happens, you know, um, but glancing and moving on. But it's it's clearly a different story when someone's gawking right. inappropriately.
1: <laughs> right, you know? yeah. No, I, so, yeah, because this guy was now. leaned up. Just straight looking. I mean, there was, <laughs> yeah, no. Crane was uh, was very much, <coughs> very much just like Lane Murray in that regard. Male officers were, horrid, horrid, like horror stories. Uh, growing up when I was younger, when I was at Riverside, um, with male staff, uh, yeah. I was gonna put her comment up here, right. Right. I I mean, and and really, you know, she's she's right. Nobody's going to believe you for the most part anyway. They really you know, I remember even at at Mountain View, there was a a male staff that the officers really liked. I didn't really care for him, but everybody liked him. Anyway, it's a, a long story, but I overheard him harassing this very large somewhat unattractive woman okay that she kind of had mental health problems and she used to say hey he says stuff to me like I'm gonna put my in your mouth like really vulgar stuff and it would freak her out she'd start screaming they call ICF come handcuff her and he'd be like you know you know I don't know what happened well I heard it one day I walked by and I heard him and he was doing it under his breath and I was like oh my god she's telling the truth so I tried to tell one of the female officers and she goes oh I don't believe that I I don't believe that of him at all and I'm like I literally heard it oh no who would want to do that she's big fat and ugly and it's like okay well sexual assault victims are often preyed upon for like so people don't believe them and he knows that people won't believe Mm -hmm. her you know what I mean it's like it, it was so frustrating um yeah so hard to to get people to believe when when stuff would happen there
0: <coughs> so she's talking um gorgeous junk is talking about the gonzalez escape
1: yes yeah it was it was pretty bad um do you do you want romero
0: wanna... romero Um, I don't remember his first name for sure, but his last name is Gonzalez. And he did, he had, um, apparently he had something in his boot that was a weapon like a shank. Um, He got somehow miraculously got out of his restraints and made his way somehow miraculously to the front of the bus. All of it's so confusing as someone who's ridden on a Texas prison bus. Thank you. Gonzalez, Gonzalez Lopez, Gonzalez Lopez, Gonzalez Lopez. I don't remember. I don't know. I, and maybe that's it, but, um, it's, I, I can't figure out how he did it without help. <laughs> so right. I don't want to get into like a bunch of crazy and maybe not so crazy theories, but I, I just, on those buses, y'all, it's two officers on the on the bus. And there's so one's driving the bus and there's a gate. They're locked into this gate area and they're not up against the gate like that they could be stabbed through the fencing. So that was peculiar. And then the officer in the back is armed and also in a cage, locked in a cage. Um, so the fact that he was in leg restraints and arm restraints and then he had the box the black box which was like another level of restraint and somehow he got out of all of that but yeah it was horrible it was horrible
1: it was horrible he was never made sense to me how he got past not one door but two doors mm -hmm. in restraints you know, because there's that section that's that's gated in before you get to the bus driver. How I just no, there's no way somebody I there's no way he did that. I think even TDCJ said, well, he sawed through that first door. Yeah, there's no well, way he
0: saw through it without either officer seeing you. And then he then then TDCJ wanted to say, well, he had to have inmates helping him, which is absurd and is. And, First of all, no inmate is going to help him unless something major is in it for themselves. Nobody right. is going to risk the consequences of assisting an escape unless, I mean, you know, and nobody got anything out of it. It's, right. So, I mean, it's it, just the whole thing. The whole thing. I will, I, I do want to say that um, when. Carrie Blankinger was talking to the people that were actually actually on the bus with him. One of the guys said, well, he had a handcuff key. So my initial reaction was like, Oh, he had a, who gave him the handcuff key. And that was Carrie's reaction. And the guy's like, no, I mean, a lot of us have handcuff keys. That's something a lot of us have. And I just want to say I never saw anybody or heard of anybody on the female side of prison. That had access to a handcuff
1: key. Yeah, right. Like it, something. Me and her have always talked about when I'm like, you know, why aren't you doing more about what goes on in the women's prison? She goes, "Well, I'm gonna be honest with you." She goes, "I don't have the the cell phone footage." And I said, "Well, because women don't keep contraband like that. They, I never, not one time did I see a cell phone uh, or handcuff key or um, anything." Major drug wise, maybe some little petty drug stuff, but I mean, women just don't keep that type of stuff. Although, I did have a friend that she stole a pair of handcuffs one time. Why I don't know, but she came back to the dorm. She goes, Look what I got. And I said, Why did you do that? <laughs> she said, Because I could. Oh, the yeah. same, she's the same one that she stole. Um, the uh, remember they used to have Polaroid cameras for like fights, you know, they'd take the pictures. Mm-hmm. and um, she comes back to the dorm with that and a package of film she didn't just steal the camera <laughs> from command she stole the camera and the package of film I said oh my god she's like yeah so what of course what did they do Marcy they're all taking pictures, pictures. in their brawn panties in front of a blanket so you can't really tell where the pictures being taken at so they could use it for their pen pal ads then we go and oh lock down the next day, so they're terrified that oh my god they found out we. So she takes it and beats it into little pieces and hides it in the trash. And then it was like oh never mind, it was just they had put us on lockdown for like a couple of hours. And I was like, damn, <laughs> stole the whole camera in <laughs> the film. But other than that, no handcuff keys. I'm sure the, she would have got one of those.
0: <laughs> I feel like. Um, the guys would have taken the camera parts and made a pizza oven or something because
1: that's right. what kind of
0: stuff they were doing in there. We were cooking with our blow dryer, and they're making ovens and uh, hibachi grills. and Right.
1: We were way you know. behind.
0: Well, we didn't want to get – we would have gotten – I mean, if we had had a flame in our housing area – We would be housed. We would be in solitary confinement for for a long time. We would not have visits with our kids. And the guys are like the officer just takes the stuff or acts like they don't see it. It's completely different.
1: Right. And that's what I I mentioned at the panel when uh, Mandy brought up, well, women may not be getting into stuff because they get disciplinary all the time. And I said, ooh, valid, true point that we haven't even hit on yet is the major inequity the gap between how men are punished versus men. And there's studies on this and it's real. It's a real thing that men get punished way less than women do. We get major cases for extra hair ties and tampons and they get, you know, Oh, give it to me. Let me throw it away. And it's a blowtorch. You know what I mean? It's a shame. It's got, right. You know,
0: if they're told to give it, if they're told to give it, I mean, um, but you know, they're just worried about, keeping the peace over there so much more because men are just more likely to riot and, and rise against, I think, than, than women are. And not that this is the case for everybody, but just um, statistically, without saying statistically, that I don't know the statistics, so maybe I shouldn't use that word, but women are just more likely to be the caregivers of their children. And so they have more motivation to get home. And that's not always the case because obviously there's lots of times that that's not the case. But I, I just wonder if that might be some of the reason that women are a little more timid to buck the system. Sorry, I'm
1: sorry. Bless you. Bless season. you. Golly. You see my eyes watering up. Um, no, but I, I think that was one of the things that they mentioned in this report was that was the very reason is that women will continue to put up with that because they're terrified of not being able to go on their visits, make parole, use the phone. And, and like you said, it's not that men aren't worried about those things too. They care about their kids too, but they're not the primary caregiver. Um, so that's always on a woman's mind. So yeah, we don't.
0: It, Jennifer, my first month in prison, oh. Plain State had a program where, so my daughters were in diapers and they were, I mean, they were one and, a half and three, maybe at this point, they were really little. And it was a program where we could have one visit a month in the chapel. And it was set up with an area where I could sit and play with them and they could run. And it was toys and books. It was that kind of setting. It was really something. So I have one visit like that where I'm allowed it once a month and a family, it's called a family visit. And so I have that visit. And then two weeks later, I had been at that unit for less than six weeks, and they called an early count time. There's no clocks. There's no watches. (laughs) I'm in the shower when they call it. I hurry. I mean, as fast as I can get a t-shirt and shorts on my wet body and run to my bunk, and I'm at my bunk because the guard walks in and and says count time and starts counting. And she writes me a case for being in the shower. And that one, it was a minor disciplinary case. That one minor disciplinary case prevented me from getting those visits with my daughter for six months. And then by then I was on to Lane Murray where they didn't offer that. Right. But can you can you imagine what kind of benefit that would have been for my children to have those kind of visits with me instead of the very cold and guys' prison visits are like they look on TV they're very sterile there's a table there's two chairs on either side of the table you know it's it's not so that's yeah i mean that's what we're looking at here
1: <laughs> no yeah and it, this happens to women all the time and you know it was something when i left prison i was like man i don't know what i'm going to do or how i'm going to resolve this but every chance i get to nail tdcj about because that's data you can prove that i mean all you have to do is pull the number of, you know, disciplinary that's and 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 look at what type of cases those are versus the kind that men get. I mean, you can't dispute that. Um, and how do you resolve that? Well, you you know, you start treating women differently because women respond. You can't treat men and women the same way. You know, staff has to have to have a very gendered um you know, there was a requirement, I think, for the dignity bills to, to have some type of training to say, hey, you know, when when you're dealing with women and you're a male guard, even a female guard, and you're like, hey, you know, you I'm giving you a direct order, do A, B, and C. What do most women we know will say? Why? <laughs> why that's just a th- that women just do that i don't i don't know if we're just socialized to do that or is the way our brains are i don't know but men will just do it women will say why and and staff take that as being combative and resistant and oppositional when all it takes is explaining why and it's trying to change that culture uh, with staff to get them to understand that women respond differently, especially women in prison that have had all this trauma. So, when a male tells them to do something, why? What do you, it's immediately defensiveness for most women, you know, as a trauma response and trying to get them to understand that women suffer a lot for, for things that, re- that they, they really shouldn't have to suffer for.
0: <coughs> very much so very much so do, do we have time to da- dive into uh yeah oh. do we have time to dive into pregnant women in prison
1: sure let's do it <laughs> so
0: um i did not encounter very many pregnant women because in texas they house pregnant women on uh, at texas city um, and there's a trustee camp that they they go to, and that's right by the Texas Prison Hospital. So I didn't have a whole lot of experience. I I was in county jail one time. <clears throat> it was before I went to prison, obviously, and I was in the holding cell because I think I was supposed to go to court that day, or it was something weird. So I was in the holding cell, and somebody came in from prison. So in county jail, anytime somebody comes in, like she was on a bench warrant for a court appearance, but she came from Woodman State Jail, from prison. And so, of course, I'm just asking her. I know I'm probably going. I wanted all the details. And um, anyway, she had just had a baby uh, and she was there. She had had a baby several months prior to that. And she was there because of a custody um, issue with her child. So. I got, I got to kind of experience um, a little bit of her story and her pain from that. Um, But she only got to hold her baby a very short time. It like less than hours. It wasn't overnight. It wasn't through the day. It was for a short time after the baby was born.
1: Yeah. Um, Back in the day, uh, all the pregnant women were actually housed at the Valley unit, at the Crane mm-hmm. unit. And the, when they got close to having their baby or sometimes when they went into labor, they would take off and drive all the way to John Seeley, which is in Galveston, uh, to have the baby. So then when Texas City, that unit uh, started housing the women who were pregnant, you didn't really interact a lot with the pregnant women um, because they're all housed there. You may have met them during your diagnostic going through Plain State or in county jail. I met a lot of pregnant women in county jail, which <clears throat> that's a whole other beast of how pregnant women are treated, dependent on the county. Um, but yeah, Can Marcy's, I say
0: something real yeah. quick? Uh-huh. Let, I, I want to just jump in and say when they transported those women, especially at that time, they were handcuffed and shackled, big, fat, pregnant, trying to... And sometimes in labor. I mean, if, if you've ever been big, big pregnant, you know, it's a challenge just to keep your balance, period. Can you imagine in shackles when your feet are moving? Just, I mean, I can't, I just can't even fathom just that.
1: Yeah, and, you know, several sessions ago, they passed the law that says you can't shackle pregnant women. Um, the caveat is, unless there is a real security reason. Uh, so they still give them an out to do that because they can always say, well, we thought it was a security uh, risk that, you know, we still had to keep her shackled and bound. Um, <clears throat> but Marcy's right. Women that have babies in prison, uh, you go to the you're at that unit and then you'll go to the hospital, to have the baby. Um, some women are lucky to maybe stay at the hospital a day or two. Some women, not so much. Just depends on, you know, where they're going to transfer you. Uh They have somebody, your family member comes and gets the child. If you have no one to come get the child, there's going to be CPS gets involved. Somebody's coming to get the state's going to take the baby. Um, It's, it's not an easy pro. I can't imagine going through that as a mother. I have friends that actually went through that process. Um, It's something that she rarely discusses because it was, Absolutely horrifying, the, the whole process. Um, yeah, it's bad, and uh, to not be able to bond with your bank. Now, there is a program, and, and I don't mean to roll my eyes. It, I'm, it's a good program. The, the problem with it, it's called Bambi. The problem with it is it, it serves a very small number of women, and it serves women who are lower-level offenses, and they get to keep their baby with them at a uh, housing facility and not in prison. Um, But it doesn't, it, it, like I said, we're talking a handful of women um, that don't really, you know, that the majority of women don't qualify for it. Um, So the baby, you know, you see the baby for a little bit and then someone comes and gets your child and then that's it. And then uh, guess what? You going right back on that host squad or in the kitchen or wherever, you're going straight back there. Um, straight back there. There's no rest. And they used to tell us, right, Marcy, well, your ancestors used to squat and have babies out in the woods and then go back to tilling the fields. And they would put they you. They
0: absolutely there. did. Yeah, sure Yeah, did. they absolutely did. They they went back <laughs> to work still very much bleeding from having the baby, still very much healing. Their body was healing. Um, Yeah, it was, it was rough. There was something that you said before that I thought, Oh, about not a lot of women qualified for that program where they could have their baby with them for uh, and even then it's for a, a more lengthy amount of time, not forever. Right. But not only did not a lot of women qualify, but there were only a certain number of beds. So many more women are in there with low-level crimes that could qualify, but there's not enough beds for everybody that could qualify.
1: Yeah, if that makes and, uh, sense. <laughs> yeah, and if you're a woman with big time or a serious charge, you, you would never ever qualify for that because it's 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 a it's an old apartment complex. It's been converted into like a program um, so that you wouldn't. You wouldn't be able to qualify that. You just have to go and have your baby and somebody come get it. and That's it. I couldn't imagine that. I, I just, it, and I'm not, you know, I, I don't have children and I've, I've never had the maternal. I guess I do somewhere inside of me have a maternal instinct as a woman, but I, I can't imagine giving birth and immediately my baby being taken from me. I, I can't imagine anything worse.
0: And then women in prison are dealing with scenarios like this or scenarios where they don't know where their kids are because the state has them or a family member is not letting them communicate with their kids. And, and whether you believe that that's right or wrong, it's still the bottom line is that incarcerated females still dealing with that. So it puts us a little bit closer to the edge, I think. And easy, it's just easier to push a button of somebody that's going through things like that. So when staff or even other inmates uh, talk ugly and make things worse, I think it's just so much easier for you to get in trouble when that stuff happens, right?
1: Yeah. <coughs> well, too, and Marcy, the 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 number of women that and i'm reminded because there was something in the news recently about this woman that um harmed her children and tried to kill herself and the children are all deceased all three of them because she was in psychosis postpartum psychosis is a real thing it's real it's not just baby blues it is psychotic it's real um And I used to, I was shocked by how many women I would see um, during my first stint that they would go have the baby. They'd be at Valley. They'd go have the baby and they'd come back. And a lot of them either had postpartum and there were a couple that really did probably had psychosis. Like, I remember this one lady was tearing out revelations out of the Bible in the day room because we used to have a, a... a shelf full of Bibles in the day room. And she said, I'm going to write a new one because the devil just came out of, like she was disconnected from her child. Like she was like, there was a devil inside of me. And and it, it didn't seem like she was just mentally ill on her own. It really did seem connected to her like postpartum and they had to come get her. Like there were a lot of women that suffered through that on their own without any treatment. Um, and I just can't mm-hmm. imagine how horrible that would be for a mother to have to go through all of that stuff alone, essentially. And the other women didn't always know what to do or understand it. They're like, what is wrong with this lady? Why is she talking about her kid like that? And it's like, she's suffering right now. She's got, you know, that postpartum has gone to another level. Um, that's real. It was scary. And then not being able to help them, you know. All you could do is tell staff to come get her and they don't know what to do.
0: And then the come, the come get her doesn't mean come get her and get her help. It means come get her and isolate her from everyone else, um, which just is a whole, a whole nother, a whole nother. Jennifer, it's almost been an hour. Okay. We're We're at 59 minutes and I just can't believe it. So I want to tell y'all, we have topics that we have in mind, but you guys just lead it. And it's more fun that way when comments kind of lead the discussion for sure. We want to talk about whatever y'all want to hear. I definitely need to tell everybody about directing them to our new channel. (laughs) We have an official channel on YouTube now. Um, so you're either watching on one of our Facebooks or one of our YouTubes but we we're gonna have a specific YouTube for this show and it's gonna keep getting better and more organized we promise well. <laughs> so w- Jennifer how do they get to tell tell them how do they get to it and then I'll put us I'll put I'll put the note in the comment whenever this posts to my platforms'll mm-hmm. and um, whether you're watching on Jennifer or my YouTube or Facebook or whatever you're watching on, I'm going to put the note on how to get there, but I'll yes. let yeah. Tell us.
1: So <laughs> it's, worry, Jennifer, how is it? <laughs> it's called um, on the rec yard women's prison podcast. So we will need everybody's help to grow it. Cause we're going to have to get our subscribers. It's brand new. There's no videos there yet, but um, we have to wait till it allows us to start doing, to, to, Do the live streaming part of it, Um, but that is where we will be streaming from now on. Uh, So we want to make sure that you you find us there and and help us grow our our podcast because it's we're gonna be professional, fancy business ladies (laughs) like uh, Rami and Michelle. We're gonna be business, (laughs)
0: yeah, (laughs) very professional. (laughs) Oh, thank y'all for hanging out with us. We appreciate y'all so much. And Jennifer, I hope you feel better.
1: I'll, I hope I'll you feel get better. there. Thank you. And
0: <laughs> okay, love y'all.
1: <laughs> Bye y'all.